Let the games begin. Carnage. Carnage. Hello there and a warm welcome to the Carnage Podcast. This is, of course, your host, Hassan Khan. Um, you know what? Every time I start one of these, I have to profusely apologise because it's been a while since we recorded the last episode. Um, I think, as my manager put it this week, I'm so glad you're taking five to six weeks before you post another episode because it means you're keeping busy. So I have got a new job. Um, very content. Uh, probably will update you on that another time. But... We're not flying off to uh, another nation or to, to a lovely beach somewhere. What we are doing today is we're turning to VI cricket, that is blind cricket, yet again, because there's an emerging story, I'd say, in the UK. Um, and that's, of course, to do with Berkshire Stags. Now, they're a regional cricket club in the UK. I'm going to be speaking to some players as well as staff to learn about their journey, um, where it all started and where it's all ended, uh, hopefully with success, and, and what that journey's been like for those individuals, um, respectively. So I tell you what, without further ado, why don't we just dive straight into it and uh, go over to Jeanette. Hi. How are you, okay? I'm fine, coping with warm weather. I know, I know, with London's shocking us, global warming. Um, we've also got Paul, one of the players. Hello there, sir, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate, yeah. Good man, good to have you. And Chris, big Chris over there. Hello, Chris. Evening, everyone. Good. And we've got Stuart as well. Hello, Stuart. Hi, mate. You okay? So, look, we've got quite a lot of people on the line. Uh, we'll make this work. But I'm really interested in about learning more about your club, where you're based, but also how it all began. So, uh, Jeanette, if I may come to you first and ask you, how did the journey begin? And what is Berkshire Stags? The Berkshire Stags started, I think, uh, about 2010 when uh, John Garbett, who's the development officer for Blind Cricket England and Wales, uh, approached a local blind society, Berkshire Vision, and suggested that he would run some blind cricket sessions if any members would be interested in giving it a try. Um, a, a team was sort of pulled together, um, a strange mixture of all ages and abilities, and they ran some taster sessions, which were quite successful. Uh, and enough people were interested to try and set up a team uh, with some funding from the primary club. At that point, I wasn't involved. My daughter was a member of Berkshire Vision, and she was one of the original people that said she would give it a try. And uh, being married to a very keen cricketer who was delighted his daughter had decided to get involved in a sport that our son had no interest whatsoever in. We sort of followed it with keen interest. It started off quite small. Uh, there were a couple of well-established blind cricket teams at the time. There was North Hants and Sussex, which I think we entered a cup and got thoroughly beaten by both those teams very quickly. Uh, about the same time, I think Somerset set up a team and Gloucestershire were about the same time as well. Uh, so there was a little, oh, and Hereford, RNC Hereford. So we had a little mini league. We travelled around, mainly run by Berkshire Vision at that point. I then decided to take a job with Berkshire Vision on a part-time basis, providing sporting activity for visually impaired people. 
And it was quite apparent that the cricket team was going to struggle. It was quite time consuming. It was beyond the scope of what Berkshire Vision could offer to just a few members. So I said I would take it on voluntary. So although I worked at Berkshire Vision, I always did the stags in my own time. Um, and it, it sort of carried on from there, really, uh, and has grown in strength and strength as more clubs have come on board more opportunities to play and traveling around really Kent have come on board and uh, Dorset um of course Metro have been around for a long time but um yes it's it's been good fun okay so so you've got competitive cricket and I think you've kind of like the unsung hero here what have been some of the challenges over the last 10 years then the main challenges I think is meeting the the site classification rules. You have to have four totally blind people in the team as a minimum. And you can only have two high partial players, which are the B4 classification. Apart from actually finding 11 players that meet those criteria, it's the transport, I would say, is the biggest issue. Berkshire is a very long, narrow county we have players from outside Berkshire playing for us because there is no blind cricket in Oxfordshire, Buckinghamshire. We have a player from Suffolk. There is no blind cricket in Suffolk. So people have to do a large amount of travelling, which, of course, being visually impaired, they don't have cars or motorcycles that they can leap on. The logistics of it is the biggest problem, trying to get the right group of people together And of course, the teams are such a long way away. So often our players are travelling up to an hour before they even set off to do a two hour journey to to get to another county to play another team, which, of course, makes it quite a long day. Jeanette, the sight loss journey can be a a very dramatic, traumatic uh, and a complex process. Um, And I'm sure you've picked up players who've just recently lost their sire or on a very difficult journey. How have you integrated cricket into that then? That's true. I would say probably more than half the team have come to sight loss through injury uh, or a, a degenerative condition later in life. They haven't been born with the condition. Um, I think I think that's where Berkshire Vision played quite a large part because that's where many of them got introduced to us. Uh, and the, the biggest problem was to persuade people just to come along and try it and have some fun. And it didn't matter however poor their ability to play cricket was. They, they could still play some format of the game. Um, it's, and, then, and then I think once people gave it a try, they would grow in confidence. I think they realised that it didn't really matter what their skill level was. There was still a place for them in the team. And most of the team members are more interested in the social aspect of it, meeting people and helping people than than actually necessarily being the best team. Yeah, just having been around you, uh, Jeanette, and the club it is one of the nicest clubs to communicate with, to be around on the circuit by far. I do want to bring the players in. Now, I've got to say Sam Hoskin, who's the captain, he's, he's only 23 years old, so he's done really well for himself. And we'll be hearing from him actually on a different episode. He wants to come on, but he's an Italian somewhere tonight, so... Enjoy, Sam. Uh, but also, it, it's fair to say, Jeanette, just finally and quickly, it, you do have quite a lot of girls and women representing Berkshire. We're women players. We we have um, five women, I think, at the moment playing. Uh, we welcome all ages. 
uh, male or female, um, or any additional disabilities as well. We have some with mobility issues, but um, uh, we always seem to manage to get round it one, one way or the other. But uh, certainly the women play um, an important role in our team. Okay, so if you are listening to this in the UK and you want to join Berkshire Stags, then we'll be hearing about at the end how you can join the team, how you can find out more about what the charity does and what the cricket club does. I want to go over to the players. Paul, Chris, Stuart, you guys do the business on and off the field. What's your journey been like? I want this to be a conversation rather than me asking you questions, but I will just start off with asking each one of you to go and tell me just a brief history of how you got involved in cricket and how Berkshire's empowered you and inspired you and made, hopefully, a change to your personal life. And Paul, should we start with you? My sight went in 2010 through an illness called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, I spent a few years probably um, in denial, angry and everything, why me, this sort of thing. Um, 2014, I got introduced to Berkshire stags through Active Eyes and through Berkshire Vision or Berkshire Blind Society as they were then. Um, met Jeanette at this function with a couple of players, said, why don't you come along to a friendly on Sunday? If you like it, carry on. And if you don't, no harm done. So I went along. It was a friendly against Surrey at Frimley. It was an absolute brilliant day, loved it. Scored a few runs, got a couple of wickets. And having been interested in cricket ever since I was a small lad, and played red ball cricket and umpired at quite a high standard, I thought, yeah, this is really good. I'm actually able to play again. And it's kind of, as my late wife would say, given me um, a new lease of life. She said, whenever the cricket season came around, I would have a sort of a, a glow on my face, which the football season wouldn't give me, but the cricket season would. But my journey's been great with these guys. They're absolutely brilliant. I mean, that, 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 I mean you just said a sentence in there that about having a glow it's obviously played a huge part in your well-being uh, oh, absolutely. I, know, I know speaking to you in in bars and on pitches it's you've had you've had moments where off the field it's been difficult do you think cricket's been a, a kind of a savior yeah i would i'd go along with that yeah you know having having been in sales all my work in life and being able to jump in a car and drive from one end of the country to the other suddenly when because obviously they don't let visually impaired people or severely visually impaired people drive cars because that would be quite dangerous. It didn't really hit home how much my sight had gone, how much I'd lost, until I turned up on that Sunday. Andrew drove the minibus, and I can remember getting out of the minibus at a ground where I'd umpired previously for, a, for the Surrey Championship when I wasn't doing a Thames Valley League game. And I couldn't, whereas before, I would be able to see the whole ground and everything and I stood there and I thought, Jesus, I can't even see beyond the nets, you know. And it was then that it hit me just how much I had lost. And it took me a little while just to uh, take it all in. And then once we started playing, it was like I'd never been away from the game. Right, Stuart, if I may come to you next, what's your journey been like then? Uh, so I started in 2015. I lost my sight in, started losing my sight in 2014. Um, I've got a diabetic retinopathy, amongst other things going on with my eyes at the moment. So I started off as a B3 out on the boundary. I remember Jeanette saying, you should come along and play cricket. And I was like, I've never played cricket in my life. I've no idea what I'm doing. But the guys invited me in. They said, welcome me in. 
said, just have a go, see what you think. And um, I'm a big lad. And being a B3, I was out on the boundary and I found that hard work. Uh, <laughs> but, um, as my sights got worse, I've got closer and closer to the batsman as I'm now B1. Uh, my fielding position is ridiculously stupid. Um, I'm very close to the batsman. Um, my job in the team seems to be as blocker, um, <laughs> which I actually thoroughly enjoy for some peculiar reason. But um, I've found the, the whole journey has been amazing. We, when I first started, we if we won a game or two, or even drew a game or two, it was something. And then to come into this season where we've actually won virtually everything. And it's like just absolutely amazing for someone like me because, you know, you feel like you're part of that. You're part of success. And it's absolutely amazing. I think Jeanette underplays her role a little bit. Um, without Jeanette, this team wouldn't run. It's a simple fact. Um, that's the best thing I can say is that you know, it, everything goes through her, really. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. As we saw on the weekend, we, from handing out suntan lotion to drinks to running yeah. out looking for hats, um, there isn't yeah. a hat that Jeanette doesn't really wear, so she's phenomenal. It's crazy the amount of work she puts in. Um, Andrew as well with the driving, the umpiring, uh, Marion doing the scoring. We have these people that are so amazing, and without them, this team doesn't run, doesn't exist. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's how important it is. Absolutely. And I think you've kind of undermined what you talked about, actually, and, and you've played it down slightly. Um, your, your loss of sight from a B3, which is quite a healthy amount of sight, to, to being a B1. Obviously, your role in the team changed, but how, how did that affect you psychologically? Psychologically, um, I was in a bit of a dodgy place for a while as my sight got worse. Um, but... Um, I actually did a counselling course at a local college, which actually helped me sort myself out. But, um, yeah, it was psychologically it was difficult. But um, I'm surrounded by good people in the team, and these people helped me as much as I probably helped them. You know, we, we all talk. I think Stuart is underplaying his role in the team. He's gone from somebody coming to terms with sight loss and trying a sport for the first time. He now organises virtually all the transport. He's introduced quite a few new players to the team. It seems to me that anybody in, in the Reading Town Centre that has the slightest <laughs> sight problem gets dragged in and dragged along. And um, I think Stuart is a very good example of how being part of a team can can change quite a large part of your life really um, and we certainly couldn't manage without him. Chris over to you then sir tell us a little bit about you. Okay well um, I've come to the um, Stags relatively um, late in their life only over the last few years um, but um, my journey's been an interesting one because I, I had a lot of experience um, of Red Bull cricket with the cherry back in the 80s I'm my goal back then was to become a professional cricketer over at Kent tonight, but I never quite made the grade, although I got quite close. But then I got married and, of course, I never played again for years until, um, long story, I was found myself um, in um, Berkshire, divorced on my own, not doing much. But I, my eyesight, my sight, my remaining eye, my bad eye was fading um, 
and I was starting to have increasingly sight problems. And I, I've, I've, I mean, actually, I think I met Stuart first um, in passing, but then I got struck up friends with a chap called Andy Turner down at Berkshire Vision. And I was telling him about how I used to play cricket years ago. And he said, oh, Chris, but you're not doing anything these days. You're just sitting at home and moping, waiting for a guide dog. Why didn't you come along and try out for the stag? So I did, even though I thought, well, I've never, I haven't picked up a bat in well over 30 years. I'll be absolutely useless. Now, this was back in the summer of 2019. And, you know, it just seemed to click from the off because I've never been away. I just went back into automatic mode. Okay, so the, the ball's different and it's that's taken a lot of getting used to because it's, it's not a red cherry ball anymore. There's no seam. You can't uh, move it through the air. You can't even really spin it off the wicket easily. But it's like gone from, I've gone from uh, basically strength to strength. I'd almost forgotten how much good fun cricket was to play. And you, you should really see us out there on the field. We all get a sense of exhilaration. It's so good to actually be doing something as a team, all of us, and uh, um, simply people with severe sight from can't see a thing still willing to, to turn out for us week after week and um, really getting something from the games is so important and so uplifting I've had friends who've come along to watch us for old games and they can't believe how seriously and how much sort of like dedication and passion we've put into it they've been quite surprised and, and I think that's what, on this podcast, I, I could, of course, ask you about yeah. the rules, regulations, balls, but what I actually want to know is, is yeah. the personal stories. And I, that's what I've heard so far. I've or What I've heard so far has been yeah. three or four different stories, and I'm sure every person in that squad has got an incredible story to tell. And you put that together, and there mm-hmm. you've got a very, very special family cricket club. Am I right mm-hmm. in saying that? You are. Yeah. We have. We have got a very yeah, special definitely. team. I think the word that sums us up is comradeship. Yeah, we have. We take the mick out of each other on the field. We do it all the time. We take yeah. the mick out of the opposition. As you know, Hassan, we always got a friendly word for you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, because we're out there for so many hours together and with the opposition, the, the, the way that we play cricket, yeah, we... we you know, in the, in the olden days, as we say, we would struggle even to get a losing draw. This year has been just absolutely phenomenal. And I think we've enjoyed it so much and we appreciate it so much because we've struggled for so long. So that when this successful season has come along and we kind of realised, I think, that probably last year when we couldn't play, that the side was getting stronger with new additions like Chris, like Thomas, who you've met, like Rob. I mean, he's phenomenal. His catches when the ball seems to come out of the sky, apparently must have ice on it when he catches it, but how he hangs on to some of them. I mean, even the umpires are applauding him. Um, The whole thing with us, we get on so well. We love playing the opposition. You know, we love spending time with them. And then, of course, retiring to the bar afterwards is the natural thing to do. I think um, if I can step in, I'm, I'm immensely proud of the Stags over lockdown, which was an extremely difficult time for many of the players. Many of the players live on their own. Uh, I think between us, we managed to keep in touch with everybody. We we had our own chat groups. Uh, there were quizzes posted. Mm. Uh, there were phone calls went around. Uh, I think the 
care that was shown by each and every player towards everybody else, making sure they were all right, um, I think shows just what a united team we were. And we knew we were we were getting stronger, but I think uh, those two very difficult years um, put us in a good position for this year, really. I think that uh, team, team spirit was definitely strengthened. Which, which, yeah. quite, which is quite bizarre in a way that, you know, that those two years should have been the opposite. It should have, it should have, you should have struggled because of it. But because of your being united, do you think that's really what helped you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. We, yeah, do a lot, we do a lot of chatting and communicating behind the scenes. I mean, yeah. we, we yeah, never but... knew each other before we came to Stags. And that, yet now we regularly chat, phone calls or emails. Yeah, I mean, I lost my wife to cancer at the end of 2019, and then consequently COVID hit in 2020. My both my children had, had moved out at that point; both got their partners. Um, so yeah, consequently, I was on my own. But I'd regularly get a call from from Jeanette or Chris or Stewie or Rob or somebody just to check that I was okay. And equally, I'd do exactly the same. I'd call people to make sure they were all okay. And I think we. That's the camaraderie within the team. The fact that we were in lockdown didn't mean that we couldn't um, we couldn't talk to one another. We just picked up the phone. Rather than meet up at a cricket match, we just picked up the phone. It was great. That's humanity at its most basic level, as I put it. And I think it is. I mean, I think sometimes we tend to forget what a phone call, what a text can do for someone's confidence and well-being. And the fact that you guys did that has now basically led to a very successful season. Now, this year, you've um, had a shout-out on the Tailenders podcast, which is a huge cricketing podcast, not just in the UK, but around the world, followed by hundreds of thousands of people. So, huge congratulations. really want to talk about your friendlies as well, uh, because I think there's quite a lot of stories there to cover. But just on this season, then, what has it been like for all of you concerned? Um, and having played you guys before, you've talked about... Yes, winning's important, but it's all about being together, having a drink afterwards. But what does winning feel like and how has that been different? How has it basically led you to be league champions? I think our fielding has improved so much over the last couple of years. We've had fielding drills. It meant that anyone coming into the team to replace someone, they just fit it in to that fielding position, no problem. The only fielding position we don't have anyone for is where Stuart fields, because he's the only one daft enough to f- and brave enough to field there. <laughs> we tried putting the captain there, and he nearly got his head knocked off, so he wasn't too impressed with fielding there. But Stuart doesn't Stuart doesn't care. I mean, we call him the wall because um, that's and um, and it kind of lifts everybody. You know, I've probably had my best season behind the stumps as wicketkeeper. The other boys bowling and batting have been absolutely tremendous, and to have Chris with us tonight is is really good because chatting to Paul Topless, he told me at the weekend that Chris tops the scoring for runs and wickets. So when you've got an all-rounder that's producing figures like that, along with everyone else that's improving, it's little wonder really that we've that we've done so well this year. And and we thoroughly enjoy each other's company as well. So it's not like we're a team that um, yeah, we're winning, but the game finishes and we don't want to spend time with one another. It's completely the opposite because we want to spend time with each other. Is I think why we've enjoyed winning so much. Yeah, it's also about. I mean, we've we've all had great seasons, you know, and it's been so enjoyable. It, I mean, 
winning is one thing, but to actually enjoy it as well, you know, um, I mean, Chris with his bowling and batting is the perfect all-rounder. You know, um, I finally took a wicket this season, which I've never done before. So that was awesome as well. Mm. You know, and everybody's got their own little thing that they've done this year that's just put them up above what they've done in previous years. And for that, that's just an amazing feeling. You know, when we're winning games with great margins, whereas I remember my previous best um, performance was batting for 10 overs to bat out for a draw without scoring a run. You know, um, you know, when I've gone from that to actually taking a wicket, I think that shows where we are. You know, we're, we're in a, such a great place. And it's all because we've got really good team spirit and everything. OK, so tell me a little bit about how you're going to celebrate. Possibly. I don't think anything's been finalised yet. We've we had some very good ideas. It yet, have we? I think the suggestion that we're all going for a curry was uh, the, the last I heard. Yeah. That sounds good. But was it going to be at a place where you started the journey? Am I right in that? That's what we thought about, yeah, the restaurant in Reading. There was one that we've had at AGMs at previously, but um, there is another suggestion that um, we we might um, bring some food in to celebrate after our Dorset game, which is on the 14th of August, which will be our last league game of the season. We, we might celebrate with some of the friends of Dorset. But I, I, we also have our annual award ceremony, uh, so we might tag it into that. Not, not decided yet. That we've got to make sure that as many people as possible are there. And of course, August is holiday time, so um, we, we, we need to put a bit of planning into it. We might do it twice. Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, you deserve to. <laughs> you, you deserve to. For a party um, with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no. Well, I hope I'm invited to this party. Um, tell tell me a little bit about your friendlies because I think um, some of your friendlies are well, they're all significant. But the partnerships that you're building with stakeholders and other partners is crucial, is it not? I think so. We we have had a lot of support from local clubs. Um, uh, certainly, Binfield Cricket Club has stuck with us through the the whole of our journey. Uh, we're we're playing there against them on Sunday as another friendly and uh, Crowthorn Cricket Club has also uh, shown a lot of support this season. We, we've got a game against their ladies team, which I'm quite, I'm quite looking forward to seeing how, uh, how the Stags take on a whole team of ladies in, in the next week or so. Um, so certainly that sort of help is invaluable, being able to get really nice cricket clubs, um, their grounds and their facilities especially as the number of volunteers that uh, help man the bar, help people just getting around and accessing the facilities. It's much appreciated. Uh, we couldn't really manage without them. I think the friendlies right, are really, really important as well because we tend to play sighted teams who wear sim specs. And what I find is whilst we play the game, but we also get their players coming up to us afterwards and just talking to us about sight loss and asking mm. us what it's like. And, yeah. you know, when they wear the sim specs, it gives them a real insight into what it's like, you know. But they really want to know more about, you know, how they can make life easier for people like us. And it's all more, it's, it's kind of like an education as well, which, again, is vitally important. So, yeah, the friendlies are really important as well. 
just saying the other thing about the friendlies is we often play around with the batting order because normally we've got a fairly established batting order now but with the friendlies we do things like people who don't normally open the batting they get a chance like Stu gets a chance to open the batting or Mushfiq or Camille you know people who normally never open the batting and they also get a chance to bowl as well so they, they all get a chance to have a positive game do you know what I mean they know they're going to get a chance to bat they know that they're going to get a chance to bowl regardless and I think that's what really is the uplift. Where they, I think Camille told me she actually prefers the friendlies. She says because they actually everyone gets a chance to do something equally, which is fantastic. And 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 actually, Jeanette, I want to go back to Mushfiq because he was going to join us, but I remember him coming out to bat for a friendly, and I was keeping for Metro Devils. And I think you'd said, and you can correct me, that he'd never played blind cricket. Um, and I just remember having a chat with him. Um, just showing him which way the bat should be and where it should be placed. And I genuinely, I don't know, maybe it's me being native, I thought I won't see him again. I think it was in the middle of Ramadan as well. And and then for him to, for him to then come back at the end of the season um, to, to win a game for you guys against Metro Devils, <laughs> that was just extraordinary. <laughs> he scored 34 yeah. shots out. Uh, he was run out. He was he was very irritated that uh, I, I walked onto the field to take him off. And he said, I haven't done anything wrong. And I said, you've been run out. And he said, but I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not going. I'm really- <laughs> <laughs> I said, it doesn't quite work like that. Much. <laughs> yes, I, I, remember, I remember that game. It was in May. It was mm. Ramadan. He'd never played before. Yeah. Um, uh, Moshfiq actually is is a, a lovely story that um, we play every bank holiday Monday in August. We play a family and friends game, which is in in honour of uh, Trevor Holman, who whose mother is a sponsor for us. Uh, and so anybody can play. We we mix up the teams. Um, all friends and family are welcome. That season that you're talking about, uh, Moshfiq brought his son and he was he was telling me that this meant the world to him he'd lost his sight very dramatically totally and he really missed not being able to play football with his son and since it had happened he'd not been able to go anywhere or do anything with him sport related and the fact that he could bring his son to a cricket game and his son played cricket with his dad meant meant the world to him and this year Second child, who's a daughter, is coming. So we'll have two of Moshi's children there on our family and friends day playing. Oh, yeah. And I thought that that's what it's all about, really, that, that we, we can provide that sort of um, enjoyment for people. And I think we've gone back to what we've begun with, what kind of a club you are. Um, oh, dear me, there's so much I could talk to you about. But what are your ambitions going forward? Because winning becomes a habit, and I'm sure you'll keep that habit. Uh, you'll still keep and stay humble, but what are your ambitions as a club? And this is to all of you. I think it's just to keep the same ethos that we've always had. And it's just about, like Stuart said in the friendlies, educating other people about sight loss and how they can help people with sight loss. But just enjoy the game and just be out there um, with the opposition and just having a wonderful Sunday afternoon. And at the end of the day, like you said, winning becomes a habit. But for us, it's it is playing the game. You know, at the end of the day, we are just as we look at it, we're just a bunch of visually impaired people 
that really enjoy cricket, enjoy each other's company. And if we win, it's a bonus. And we'll just keep playing exactly the same way, including as many people as we can and just enjoying cricket. I think I think for me, I, I actually don't like watching the Stags play cricket, which is why I'm looking so busy going around finding some cream and, and, and hats. Um, because I find it quite stressful. There is a bit of a, a joke uh, amongst some of the, the turtle blind players that they, they need to interpret my screeches, whether it's a positive <laughs> or a negative <laughs> yes, It's very difficult to tell sometimes whether we should be stressing or whether we should be uh, congratulating. No, um, no, especially no. with B1s because we never know what's going on. So, yeah, I, I just um, switch off, Stuart, and I just think she's stressing again. <laughs> it's usually when, we, when we've got players running between the wickets and uh, yeah. it's whether they're going to be run out or not. And yeah. um, so that's yeah. always worried they're going to be run out. It's always a run out. So. Sam, Sam will tell you, you can hear me even, even on, the, on the pitch. You can hear me going, no, 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 go back. <laughs> <laughs> just, just talking about Sam then. Um, What's it like to be skippered and captained by a, a bloke who's 23? That kind of makes me sick, the fact that he's 23. But um, don't tell him that. He'll be listening to this. What, how, how's he doing and what, what is it like? Because you guys are his senior players. What kind of say do you have in, in the tactics and, and, and the selection and everything else well, that goes in hand in hand with the game? Well, yeah, I mean, he'll always ask. Obviously, he'll ask advice. Chris helps him with the field settings and so does Tom when, when Tom's with us. Sam is... For for a guy of 23, he's kind of got a, an old head on young shoulders, you might say. And he's very level-headed uh, most of the time. And he's just a lovely guy. And that's why I think he has the respect of the team. He respects mm. all the players. And all the players respect him in turn. And I think that's, that's one of... That's the only thing, really, you can say. Um, if you're the captain and everyone respects you and you have respect for them that there's no, you know, that's everything you can ask for, really. I think the level of respect is because that's why he's captain. It's because we respect what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, being a total, you know, doesn't seem to make any difference to him. You know, um, he listens to everything you say. He might say to you, I'm not going to do that, but he will listen. And that's why he gets respect, because he does listen. And let's be honest, he is a fantastic player. You know, I've known him now for, God, seven years. I can't believe that. Um, it's like, and um, so he was about 16, I think, when I first met him, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, he's an incredible person, you know. And as a captain, he is absolutely brilliant, yeah. Yeah, for me, when I first met him, I kind of watched him grow up, really. But when I first met him, I can remember him saying to me, and it was at this friendly he said his ambition for the season was to score a run. Now he hits, well, against one team this year, he hit 32 off one over. Um, he bowls straight and quick. As you know, Hassan, he tends yeah. to have your your name in his pocket. Um, and one or two others in the league as well found Cheers, that we'll this year. Um, you know, he's just, um, yeah, he's come on leaps and bounds. Um and as I say, and he's and he's a great he's a great guy as well. So I, yeah, really I spoke to him on a radio. For him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I spoke to him on a radio show last year, and I said, "Why aren't you playing for England yet?" So I think he's started that journey. He's obviously played um, goal ball for GB, and I I can promise you now, 
he's going to be playing World Cups and Ashes. Um, but enough about him. Um, it's been an incredible chat. Honestly, I think time's flown by. I, I cannot believe... Uh, initially, I said to you, can we keep this half an hour, 45 minutes? There's absolutely no way we're going to do that. I hope wherever you're listening to this, that you've enjoyed this. Um, of course, you were thinking you should have asked this, you should have asked that. But I want you to do some research. I want you to go away and look into each one of these players and go talk to Jeanette. Go search Berkshire up on Google. And, and talking of that, uh, Jeanette, if someone wants to support the club, wants to play for the club, how, how do they come? How do they join you, basically? Have me. Um, <laughs> you're welcome anytime, Hassan. Um, you can contact us through the Facebook page uh, and also British Blind Sport. All our contact details are on there. There's a real lovely, wonderful story of how small VI Cricket Club, to begin with, has now become an emerging story, has become a very, very successful club and will be for years to come. But within this club, there is the kind of love, the kind of relationships and friendships that probably is not lacking, but we could all do with emulating. So it's been an unbelievable chat with you boys and, and, and Jeanette. Um, if there's anything else I missed, then please do chip in right now. I think, yeah, I think there are a lot of clubs possibly that could learn a lot from the way that we conduct ourselves on and off the field and with each other um, and become better people because of it. If I could say one thing. Yes, Chris. Uh, disabled people face a lot of challenges. Um, and it, you, it, unless you're really disabled, you don't quite understand the, the amount of self-fulfillment, achievement from actually being able to do something like playing cricket with other people who suffer with similar disabilities or a range of other disabilities as well. But it, it really gives you something. And it, otherwise, a poor disabled person might well be stuck on their own home for most of, the, most of the time, but that actually gets a chance to get out and do something and fulfilling and rewarding, both for yourself and for everyone else around you. Yeah. And, and my, my final thought would be not just for vision, not just for disabled people, but any able-bodied people. If you're interested in cricket, go and find a club. It is the best atmosphere. It is the best team sport you could ever play. And the wall? Yeah, I would agree. I think if you know, if you're sat there, if you're listening to this, you're visually impaired, there's got to be a club near you. You know, go and find it because someone like me who never played the game before. Never really, I used to watch international, but that was about it. But I thoroughly enjoyed my time with the stakes and um, it has been a brilliant journey. I have to say, I've been involved in the stags on a voluntary basis for 12 years. Um, if it wasn't a huge amount of fun and very rewarding, I wouldn't still be here doing it, would I? So, um, I, I, it is a great atmosphere. It's great fun. It can be stressful at times just trying to sort out all the logistics. But uh, yes, uh, everyone's welcome. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to the Carnage podcast. That was, of course, Stuart, uh, Chris, and Paul from the Berkshire Stags and the Queen of Reading, the Queen of Berkshire, Jeanette herself. Um, that's been a wonderful chat. Wherever you're listening to this, please uh, click subscribe, listen, share. 
and all those good things. And give us five stars if you enjoyed the content. And um, the best of luck to the Berkshire family. And uh, no doubt, catch you soon on another episode. Good night. I'll be back. Sounds about right.